0: the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. Jesus said, if another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and as a tax collector. Truly I tell you, Whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Strictly speaking, the coronavirus is not a plague. Whereas COVID-19 is caused by a virus, the plague is caused by bacteria. As in the bubonic plague, the so-called Black Death that killed a quarter, a quarter of Europe's population in the 1300s. Yet, plague can also mean an epidemic disease that causes high mortality. Plague can figuratively mean any widespread calamity or evil. So we certainly could say that we are living the plague of our lifetime, but there's more. Plague can be a verb, right? It means to cause worry, to cause distress. We are plagued by so many things today that I don't even know where to begin. In fact, you know what they are already. Our our world as we knew it has been shaken Things seem to be unraveling. Things seem to be getting worse every day. We dread the election. We fear the results, whatever the outcome. And it's just plain hard to watch the news. It's hard to have hope. Now, though the great losses that we in this country and world are facing today, though they link us to human suffering through the ages, to human suffering around the world today, we are still plagued with shock, with a sense of exceptionalism, privilege. How? How can this even be happening to us? Now, we know about plagues from the book of Exodus. How tidy that in our lectionary, we skipped from the dramatic account of the burning bush last Sunday to the institution of the Passover today. There are a lot of chapters in between and they're about the plagues. In between is the power struggle between Moses and let's just say an unstable, an unpredictable, a threatened ruler, Pharaoh. Some things never change. And at the heart of the story, the Hebrews, oppressed under the heavy load of slavery. Time after time, Moses pleads with the Pharaoh, let my people go. Then comes the plague, designed to break him down, to bring him to his knees. But every time, his heart hardens and he denies. He says no to Moses' requests. So can you name some of the 10 plagues? Maybe a few of you could unmute yourself and see how many we can name. Go right ahead, name some plagues. Frogs. Locusts. Tail. Cattle disease. That's four. <laughs> Here we go, water turning to blood. One, frogs, two, lice three, flies, four, livestock pestilence, five, boils, six, hail, seven, locusts, eight, darkness, nine, and ten, the killing of the firstborn children of the Egyptians. Now it's the tenth plague that is the killer, and we mean literally, the angel of death sweeps through the night killing the firstborn of the powerful Egyptians, but the Hebrews are spared. Their doorposts are marked with the blood of the Lamb. This angel of death is eerily, I mean, eerily portrayed in the movie, The Prince of Egypt. You hear wailing, and then in a scene we don't expect, you see Moses weeping, As one writer put it, the hand of God and nature, these are both reassuring and terrifying. Must there be suffering and death to bring about liberation? One rabbi wrote about being plagued by the plagues. Despite the silly songs in the Passover Seders about frogs in Pharaoh's bed, we must deal with the text's assertion that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, she asserts. If God was going to liberate the people with signs and wonders, must it be at the expense of others, such as the death of the firstborn Egyptians? At Passover Seders today, As the 10 plagues are ticked off one by one, each person spills a drop of wine on the plate 10 times. The joy of liberation tempered because it came at the expense of the suffering and death of others. There are bitter herbs to signify the bitterness of slavery. The matzah is called the bread of affliction. The Hebrew slaves were to eat that unleavened bread hurriedly. There was a sense of urgency. Now, of course, Jesus' Last Supper was a Passover meal, at least in three of the Synoptic Gospels. And there are many connections between Passover and Eucharist. Lamb, blood, wine, bread, Firstborn son, deliverance from bondage, deliverance from death, remembrance, the past becoming present, and the promise of a better future. There is an urgency to these times we are living. There is an urgency to Passover. There is an urgency, if you think about it, to communion, both bitterness and joy. As Paul writes, the night is far gone, the day is near, salvation is at hand, deliverance is at hand, freedom is at hand. But here's the twist. Maybe God's ultimate purpose wasn't merely the physical liberation of the slaves, but the spiritual liberation of Pharaoh from his delusion of total power. Empires, empires are prone to illusions of omnipotence. As Harvey Cox notes, it takes a lot to shake the pride and complacency of empires on such a grand scale, but history teaches us that. Empires rise and empires fall, and maybe, maybe we are living a bit of that today. The plagues were designed to bring Pharaoh to his knees, that he might realize the limits of his power. The plagues of our time may bring us to our knees as well like an addict who hits bottom, like someone at the end of their rope. For then then there's a spiritual opening, a trust in God or some higher power, some higher presence, calling us to the reconciliation that Jesus speaks about in our gospel, calling us to fulfill the commandments through love, as Paul wrote about in our second reading, calling us to be signs of justice and mercy, even amid the inequities and the racism of our our day. For where two or three are gathered, Jesus says, I am among them. One, two, three or more in our homes, five of us here today in this place, around computers, around tables, filled with memory and filled with hope. Amid all the things plaguing us, all the things bringing us down, all the things bursting our illusions, Christ is here among us. The risen one comes this day in bread and wine. God's gift of grace, a meal of liberation, a feast of freedom and a sacrament of hope, amen.